This is the Thursday Night Podcast. Your source for news, analysis, and all things Georgia State sports. Because every day is Thursday. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Thursday Night Podcast. My name is Taylor. I'm joined by the full squad, Jordan, David, and Brady. Today we're kicking off the offseason and we got a lot of good stuff to get to. First of all, we're going to start talking about our new head of men's basketball coach, Rob Lanier. The era, it's begun. It's always nice to, you know, change the guard and feel like the guard is still guarding, if that makes sense. Um, I mean, we've all been pretty vocal on Twitter. Um, if you pay attention to our Thursday night Twitter feed, as well as our personal Twitter accounts, um, I'm of the opinion this is about as slam dunk of a hire as we were going to get. Um, I'm very excited about what Coach Lanier can bring to this program. Yeah, the press, uh, obviously, I being the, you know, lone out of Atlanta uh, resident, um, I was able to watch most of the presser and I saw the comments, the questions that you guys asked and, you know, some of his comments. And I love what he has said so far. You know, I love that, you know, Georgia State's going to be a team that plays man to man and is going to look for guys that are a little bit bigger. Um, I think that will definitely be a welcome change to what we normally have seen. Um, sorry, Brady, that the two, three matchup zone is no more, but rest in peace. <laughs> it's, it's, it's just a, a challenge from, you know, whoever God to keep, <laughs> to keep branding. Right. Exactly. Um, I think that's a pretty casual, casual mantle to uh, throw out there. Correct. Correct. Um, but I'm excited, you know, I'm definitely excited for this next generation of Georgia state basketball. So, you know, we'll see. At this point, uh, until we get assistant coaches, there's not that much to talk about. They're still recruiting. The new class is going to have to come down pretty quick because there's not that much time. But there's a lot of scholarships to fill, so we'll see. We're not going to know, obviously, until games are played next November. November. October. 203 days away from the regular season per Mid-Major Mantis. What a You're to here first. It will not be until the next 200, 203 days from now that we know for sure. From the time of recording, that is. But it feels like a good hire. It feels like it's not going to be the same Georgia State team per se, but it also isn't going to be such a change that we can't be good to start. It can't be that Georgia State is good to start. It's not going to be. I've said this in some form. I don't know if I've actually said this recorded, but it's not like it's the Georgia Tech switching out of the flex bone. Like there isn't an inherent year or two that we have to transition out of whatever, you know, outdated offense defense whatever like the switch from the zone is deeply jarring to us as podcasters but the truth is with a summer of practice and getting into the fall it's not gonna be that big of a reach to say that the team isn't gonna be affected by it by the time we're actually playing games yeah i think so too um i'm honestly more so curious to see how they change offensively just based on the comments that Coach Lanier has made, um, I know he said he wanted to recruit a little bit bigger. Um, so I'm wondering if that's going to necessarily impact the amount of three-point shooting the Panthers do. Um, I know that was kind of Coach Hunter's bread and butter. Like, they like taking good threes, but obviously they like taking a lot of threes. Um, which, I mean, I'm not saying that's necessarily a huge change, but I'm curious to see how that's going to work in the fall. But obviously we can get there later on. From everything we heard about Corey Allen, he's a sharpshooter. So right. we're exactly. still going to have three shooting thing going on. I mean, it'll it's also it's also 2019 college basketball. The three point shot is going to be a very prominent part of whatever offense we run. Right. Exactly. I did think it was really interesting 
without even being kind of prompted about it at the press conference, when he got asked in general about the offense, he said he wanted to run motion and that, you know, he wanted to not, I forget exact words, but he was like, back when I was at Siena, I was a dumb young coach essentially and tried to do too much. So it was interesting that without prompted, he was like, here's a criticism of me when I was a head coach before and what I want to do differently. And again, we've definitely said this, but we don't really need to take that much account in my opinion of the head coaching record, but it is good to see that he is taking account of what went wrong last time and stuff that he can target is doing differently this time because people have questioned it. Right. I think that's something that sticks out to me with regards to changes to our offense that um, the interim head coach, Travis Williams uh, said in our interview we did with him a few weeks ago, by the way, if you haven't seen that coach, check it out. I think it came out really well. Anyway, he mentioned that a big point of his, focus for the team was going to be continuing to develop Kane Williams. And he spoke very highly of Kane and his basketball IQ his you know, ability as the point guard, which coach Williams said that Kane is kind of the extension of the coaching staff being the starting point guard on the court. So I think to see somebody who's been working with Kane so closely the last you know season or so uh, speak, um, speak so highly of Kane. And I think that's going to, be a big focus for coach Lanier's developing that relationship with him because he is our point guard of the future. I mean, moving forward, it's really interesting to me to see how that relationship develops and see um, kind of implementing coach Lanier's offense through Kane. If he's going to be kind of the mouthpiece and um, on court sort of presence from the coaching staff. Hey, and it's, I mean, it's not like we didn't try and force turnovers before that was kind of the point of coach Hunter's defense too. But all I'm saying is if we're full court, presencing their teams you know Kane Williams gonna have more than 64 steals next year I mean if he is that's gonna mean really good things for the defense kind of Brady you touched on it just a second ago um when you said that he mentioned how he's gonna guard all the way up the court I want to pull up this quote here from Coach Lanier's press conference when asked about kind of Georgia State's offensive and defensive identity um quote we're going to guard you all the way up the floor. And then when we get you to the half court, we're going to guard you then. And I feel like this team in past years under coach Hunter has kind of thrived on its defensive intensity. And that's been part of our identity of kind of what makes this team who they are. And I like that coach Lanier is embracing that and kind of seeing that's who we are and also wanting to bring some of his own kind of style to that, but keeping defense as the focus and as part of our core identity, and then taking that energy and that intensity and transferring that into the off- offensive end with some bigger size, uh, you know, big men that he's going to, that he said he's going to make a focus for recruiting. That's something that really excited me and, you know, from his press conference. And here's another thing we go through these cycles, or we did when Coach Hunter was the coach, where there is Marcus Kreider. And it was like, who's going to replace Marcus Kreider? And then it was Malik Ben-Levy, and he did a stellar job. And no matter who would be the coach, we're going to miss Malik on the court along with all the other seniors. We've got scholarships to get players, and there's not going to be a question of like, well, who's going to replace the Malik in the Malik role? Because we're going to have people like Malik on the team, but it's not going to be a thing where like there's that hole that the defense and the offense always has that guy in that particular role that he thrived in and that Marcus Kreider also was good at. So it's going to be, that's another reason why I'd be bullish about Georgia state's chances next year, because it's almost not going to be a harder situation because of that. Right. I think what you're getting at is 
maybe if I'm interpreting this right, is we were going to have the same roster turnover anyway, whether it be with Coach Lanier or if we kept Coach Hunter. And, you know, that production, the defensive identity, the leadership was going to come from somewhere. And we were going to have to fill out this roster regardless of who the coach is. So I think that this is going to be a transitional period for the team and the program, no matter who the coach was. I mean, obviously the transition has been upped by hiring a new head coach, staff turnover, that kind of stuff. But we are, we are losing four seniors and DeMarcus, regardless of what happens coaching wise. I do mean that for sure more generally, but even specifically Malik kind of fills a specific role in coach Hunter's defensive schemes. And he he's liked having a guy like that. So it was going to be a question with specifically with Coach Hunter leading it, like who's going to replace him in that. And we missed a little bit where we didn't have Jordan Session this year. In the beginning of the year, we kind of missed what he had brought to the defense. And I think there's a little bit less question marks when you run a man system that isn't quite as complicated and isn't quite as like system specific that it, if it's a good man defense and the players can pick it up a quick, it's not going to be a case of like, well, who's going to be this or who's going to do that. Like that was the one thing about coach Hunter's system is that it was very personnel specific and he recruited well to it, but it's not going to be a thing where we have to worry about that. It's just going to be who's going to play defense. Do we have any specific names of people that you would want to see brought in as an assistant head coach or to join this coaching staff under Rob Lanier? Travis Williams. Yeah, I think that's all of our answer or one of our right. first answers out, out <laughs> yeah. of our mouth. Yeah, let's get that out of the way. Travis Williams is probably, at least in my personal view, my top pick of someone to retain from the staff that hasn't been brought over to Tulane by Coach Hunter. Um, we did an interview, like I mentioned earlier, uh, with him right after he was named interim head coach and just kind of getting to sit down and talk with him and get his perspective on how he handles approaching his role as a coach. Um, he sees ultimately his goal is to be able to help the guys in the team be successful on the court, off the court, in the classroom as, you know, kind of personal development, just develop these players as people first. And then the basketball will follow. I mean, ultimately we have talent on this team. There's no question about that, but his ultimate goal, he's, saying is to develop the players and ultimately to get them to graduate, which is should be the goal of any collegiate program. Um, and just kind of getting the sense of how the players react with him and how much respect they have from him. I think that he, again, would be a slam dunk of a retention to bring onto this new regime's coaching staff. And I'd say all of that comports with the ideals that Coach Lanier talked about what he wanted. Everything that Coach Lanier said about the way he wants to take the program, everything you just said about Travis lines up with that. It's like he gets what it wouldn't be a philosophy difference. They're both after the same thing. We don't know how it'll play out. Guys definitely like knowing the people on their staff. So if there's not a relationship there, it wouldn't shock me if it didn't happen just because you don't want to hire someone on your staff you're not familiar with, whether they're good or not. Uh -huh. And it's his first head coaching gig since. He's really built up his resume and made a lot of these relationships he's had. So it wouldn't surprise me if there's a few guys not like saying it's a handshake deal, but just that he might have been like, man, if I ever get a job, I absolutely would want to hire you. So ultimately, this is kind of a wait and see game. Obviously, Coach Lanier was named head coach, what, a week ago today? Um, so he's obviously settling in. The recruiting will come. The the staff will come and it's just kind of be something that we're going to be keeping an eye on over the summer that anything new 
gets updated, we'll be hopefully the first to let you guys know as well. Um, but we're not going to dawdle too much on basketball because we did have an opportunity to get a first look at this Panthers football team uh, at the 2019 spring game. I liked a lot of what I saw at the game. Um, I was Jordan and I were focused kind of specifically on getting video and kind of media content. So we weren't paying attention super closely to like the X's and O's. I know Brady was paying a little more close attention to that. Um, but some of the takeaways that I have, um, it seems that tempo was a lot bigger focus for our offensive system. And I know that's something we discussed in our um, article we posted when Brad Glenn was hired as the offensive coordinator. Um, I also saw all of our quarterbacks, not just Dan, getting outside the pocket more. And we asked him about that in the postgame kind of like media scrum. And he said it was a little bit of, you know, some of that comes from the system. Some of that just comes from the takes that he saw in the field. Um, but I'm excited for this 2019 Panthers football team. The, the vibe that I get is everybody's ready to put 2018 behind them and that 2019 is not going to be defined by that 2018 season. So I'm excited for this kind of fresh start. Yeah, I mean, I'd jump on to what you were saying and continue by just quarterback play is at a heightened importance in the system from what I could tell from one game. It seems that the decision making in play calling and making checks in addition to, you know, pull the read option or, you know, pull it out during a pass play and run instead of staying in the pocket, like all of the things that already matter. It seems like it's going to be just that much more important when the system that Coach Glenn brought in. Seems like there's a lot of focus on the quarterbacks. And that goes back to his time at Western Carolina because he had a thousand yard rusher last year as a quarterback, which is impressive wow. at any level. <laughs> I always caution to take too much away from spring games and have already had that in my article. I led with like, let's let's you know there's, there's only so much we can say. But I did like the mentality from everything we heard when we talked to the players and the coach post game it seemed like that they had the right mindset and i think that's an important thing i mean we haven't had the success as a university football program but at some point if it's going to happen it's just going to happen there's nothing that's stopping it from happening other than just going out and doing it so the fact that they're kind of laser focused on just being good in 2019 that's what you want to see that's the expectation that any good program around the country is the expectation is you know we're gonna have success i think a lot of it uh, that we're going to see this year is going to come from, like you're saying, some of that laser focus. Uh, Coach Elliott mentioned in his post-game press interview that he thinks the team was a couple good plays away from being a six or seven win team last year. If you recall, we won two. Like that, That's a big difference, but I don't think he's very far off in saying that. A lot of what we saw Saturday with the different quarterbacks playing, specifically Swift Lyle, who seemed to get most of the minutes, uh, is going to be a lot of different options for the team to employ that I think our opponents are going to have a difficult time adjusting to since Dan got almost all of the minutes last year. Got out that name, by the way, Swift Lyle. That's Love a great it. quarterback name. Just beautiful. I mean, it's still Dan's team, in my opinion, and yeah. he thinks so, too. He thinks it's Dan's conference. He's out here he, in the postgame. He was He's calling saying, shots. He Dan was calling goal. a lot of shots in that postgame interview we had with him, which I'm here for, honestly. Like, call a shot, like... I mean, if you have that kind of downtrodden mentality and let last season define you, like I said earlier, it's kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy. So I really like the attitude that Dan took in his post-game or press conference with us where he called. He wanted to be – we asked him, what are your goals for next season? He said he wanted to be Sunbelt Player of the Year. And, I mean, if he goes out and balls out and does it, then, hey, man, good for you. You called your shot. You did it. You went out and got it. And it's not just an attitude that we heard from Dan. Uh, Coach Elliott said it. 
Dan said it, and then wide receiver Christian Owens, who we also talked to, said that exact same thing as well. I think it's the entire team is buying into this idea that all you have to do is believe, put in your work, and who knows what who knows what you can make happen. It's, there's a lot of effort that we're seeing this team put in, and I think we're going to see a very, very different team this fall. While we are on the topic of calling shots, Dan also had another shot he called in that post-game press conference. Should I mention it here? He stole David Salmon's take. <laughs> oh, the Tennessee one? Uh, yeah, oh. we roasted you about that like a month ago. <laughs> I'm, I'm telling <laughs> Dan's you. out here calling his shot. Now's the time for this to happen. Dan said in his press conference, we spoke with him after the spring game, don't be surprised if Georgia State beats Tennessee week one of the 2019 season. And that's certainly a shot to call and a shot that has been echoed by our own David Salmon mere weeks ago. And we laughed at him. I'm telling you, you know, I love confidence. And if the quarterback's confident, it's college football. Anything dumb can happen. So I, I I don't know if I want to say that's dumb. Maybe if you're a Tennessee fan, it's dumb, but I would love to walk out of Nayland Stadium with a win. The truth is the offense is in one side of the game, very important. What held Georgia State back in 2018 was the defense. Nothing Mm -hmm. else to say there. But there were some encouraging signs from the defense. As much as spring games can say, the defensive line was getting pressure. The defensive line was mostly stunting the run game. There were a couple of big pops from the offense, but by and large... The defense kind of handled the run game, and that's a little bit to be expected, as I say, in spring football. But given that didn't happen in many games in 2018, that's an encouraging sign because the run defense needs to be stout. The pass rush has to be stout because we can't leave the corners and the safeties out on islands in zone coverage for very long. I mean, that's just that's why the pass defense got shredded last year is that there wasn't much pass rush and the corners could only stay with their guys so long. Yeah. That was one thing I noticed from uh, coach Elliot's uh, answering questions in the video that Jordan had posted um, on our website. Uh, He talked a lot about being disruptive and those front guys really making their presence known in the backfield. And I mean, please, if this is the year that Georgia state develops that tenacious, you know, front seven, front four, I don't really care how you bring pressure. Um, but if they're living, if those front four guys are living in the, pa- in the backfield, it's going to be a great year for the Georgia state defense, regardless of who they have back. Then. They could put Jordan back there in the secondary and it wouldn't matter. Yeah. I, so. mm, I don't know about that. <laughs> that. That ain't it chief. <laughs> we have a new defensive line coach. We've talked about Brad long. Oh, they're going to say Jordan Crawford. <laughs> Please. No, <laughs> We have a new defensive line. Would Jordan be better suited to coaching the defensive line or being on the defensive line? (laughs) I would get absolutely destroyed. I like how that's not a roast (laughs) exclusive to Jordan. Like, that's like a roast that you could use for all four of us, and it'd be like, (laughs) well. I don't want to interrupt you again, but David's got some sneaky speed on the edge. Is all yeah, I'm saying. I don't have yeah, da- David's also like 33% the size of the average defensive lineman. Yeah, right, I'm telling you, man. Here's the It'll be the first, the first defensive tackle. lineman to nutmeg his body between an offensive lineman's legs. David wasn't even big enough to play the band bowl. Okay, he's gonna he's gonna be he's gonna be like one of the silver dollar pancakes from IHOP. <laughs> 
Like, no. this guy, oh like, God. all right, all right, Mr. Right Tackle. So the guy, defensive end you've got, he's pretty fast. He's sneaky. He's like five foot. So just, <laughs> just literally move forward. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> so we have a new defensive line coach, Brad Long. I believe he was out there rocking the straw hat during the spring game which mad respect. He's been a power five defensive line coach for several years now. He was Jadavion Clowney's. So I believe that's where Coach Elliott and him would have met at South Carolina. He's been at Florida and Florida State. And if that's the influence, if like that's the difference, if we've got new coach, new ideas on the front line, and that's what's making the difference, then I'm all for it. No matter how many years he's here for, it looked like a different defensive line. And that's only good news. But this is a big year. I mean, no cap, like, if Georgia State doesn't have a winning season, seats are heating up, you know. I think you're right, um, and we can kind of uh, hash that out a little bit later. I don't want to say that it's necessarily a fireable offense for Georgia State not to have a winning season, but you're probably right that the conversation needs to at least be had. I think a better way of thinking about it would be if Georgia State doesn't show market improvement in the areas in which we needed to improve from last year, I'm less concerned about the record than I am concerned about seeing a more consistent offensive line play, seeing better pressure up front from the defensive front. You know, stuff like that is measurable things that we can see that we will be getting better at or won't be getting better at. And that ultimately falls back on the coaching staff. And that's, I think, a conversation to have rather than setting a wins, you know, total we need. I mean, obviously, I'd love to go out and have a six, seven, eight win season. My expectations are a little more tempered than that. I just personally, as a fan, as somebody who's covering the team, want to see improvement in the areas in which we needed to see improvement last year before we start calling for anybody's job. I, it's just, I, we are, it's a win-based business. I mean, at some point, I, I'm not saying we're putting a win total on it, or I'm, I'm not, but you can have expectations to go to a bowl every year and it can be disappointing when it's not like at some point it has to stop being, we're a new program. Like at some point the playing fields level and just about going out and doing it. And coach Elliott made a lot of moves this off season. We have a lot of new coaches, whether it was because coaches left or because coaches were moved on. It's not that dissimilar to what's happening in the pro world in the Atlanta Falcons, where it's kind of a year where, both coach Quinn for the Falcons and coach Ellie for Georgia state are betting on themselves and kind of making new hires and saying, this is the year we're going to make differences. And we have to, as whatever, as fans, as people covering the program is whatever, we have to keep the expectations at that level that they would have, which is to be a successful program. We don't have to say improvement is enough. We don't have to say how many wins it is, but it just, I don't know. It's I, I, I've watched through this program getting built and going through FBS, but at some point it just has to start clicking like, and it's, that's just how it is. It just has to be there. Yeah. The uh, corner needs to be turned. And I mean, we thought that that was the case going into 2018. Obviously Georgia state took a little bit of a step back. I will say about that. Um, but this will be the year. So, and I, I think, it is easy for me to see an avenue for optimism, honestly, but this still is the year. So buckle up, friends. Certainly a proven season. I think we'll, we can all agree on that. Definitely a proven season. So one other thing we learned this week, uh, the day before the spring game, the football team held their last practice at the 188 MLK facility that they've been practicing at since basically the team started. I know it wasn't 
immediately after the founding of the team. They practiced at a local high school for a while. But basically since 9 2010, the first game that we had, the 188 has been the football team's home and the marching band as well. Uh, all of us spent a lot of time on that field. I just thought it would be interesting to take a look back at everything that has happened there since it's basically not going to be used at all by the football team anymore and the marching band is moving away into the stadium as their area is finished maybe this year. I did some math and I think there's well over 500 events that took place at 188 between not, not, not even football. We're talking about marching band practices, other colleges coming to use it for practices, marching bands from across the state, across the country, and even a group from Finland that came over, I think it was like 2013, 2014, the school music hosted somebody and we took them out there and had a fun time explaining American football and marching band to them. One thing you guys might not know is that the football facility is built on the site of a Civil War era warehouse that was actually abandoned for a long time before the University Foundation bought and renovated it. So it's a historic building. If you've ever been inside, you'll notice that there's kind of a juxtaposition of the modern architectural styles with glass and metal paneling and stuff. And then you look up and it has these exposed beam wooden ceiling, girders everywhere. It is a fantastic building. They did a really good job renovating it. And it's actually, when they were digging up the ground to put in the field, they found artifacts from the Civil War. I don't know exactly what it was, but I know they found something that was like a, some ammunition or weaponry or whatever. At this point in time, all we know about the future of the facility is that the football team is effectively completely done with it. The marching band still has some storage there, but... Other than that, there's not really any publicly known uh, plans that have been announced yet. We've heard rumors ranging from it's going to be turned into a soccer and lacrosse facility to it's going to be turned into intramural fields or some other campus use. The math that I've done would lead me to believe that a soccer field can technically fit on the property without demolishing the buildings, but you have to have room for bleachers and benches and everything else. I don't think... A full-size field will fit, but one that is within the NCAA regulations will fit uh, on the property without knocking down buildings. We'll see what they do with it. Uh, I know the soccer team would probably really like to be not 20 minutes away from campus behind a school bus parking lot and a drainage ditch. Hmm. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, we leave the drainage ditches to our rivals. Shouts outs to beautiful Eagle Creek population 8,000 mosquitoes. Like I said... It's a piece of Georgia State history and athletics history that I think deserves a little bit of a look back. Maybe we'll do a feature piece on it over the summer if we get a chance, but I just wanted to let you guys know a little bit more information about the site. Because if you've ever taken the MARTA blue or green line east or west in and out of Atlanta, you've probably seen the team practicing or the marching band out there practicing or somebody right there underneath the Cory smokestack. Uh, we'll miss it, but... It's always good to move on to bigger and better things, and that's exactly the step that this team is needing to do at this point as we approach our 10th season of the football program. Speaking of moving on and new beginnings, we got a chance to do some videos and picture coverage of the spring game that are live on the website if you want to go take a look at that. We've got video interviews with Coach Sean Elliott, quarterback Dan Ellington, and wide receiver Christian Owens, as well as a small photo album that we captured at the game. And by the time this podcast goes live, there will also be a highlight video of some of the 
big plays that we saw during the course of the game on Saturday. Other than that, guys, do we have anything else today? Yeah, apparently I can play defensive end. <laughs> if that was your takeaway, you weren't listening. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> hey, if, if I get thrown out for the defensive line coach, then sure, you can be, you can be one of my defensive ends. I don't care. Uh, look at that favoritism. <laughs> <laughs> this is why I'm not a Division One football coach, guys. I just edit the podcast and maintain the website. That's, that's all I do. That is the sole reason why Jordan is not a Division One football coach. You heard it here first. <laughs> yeah, never mind the fact I did marching band for 10 years, and it doesn't matter. I didn't learn the rules of football until I was a grown man. Um, ultimately, uh, like I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, as we're moving into the offseason, the frequency of the podcast is going to take us a bit of a step back because we don't want to try and put too many things out and stretch ourselves too thin. We want to be able to deliver... Timely and consistent content, but something that's also quality at the same time. I mean, you guys so, get it. It, it. It's the off season. Like, of th- course. There's less, there's less to go around. I don't know if we're going to go to a strictly as needed or while we have content schedule, but I think our goal is probably like a biweekly um, over the course of the off season. And of course, that's going to be accompanied with website content, video stuff, more photos, you know, feature articles. We've got all some sorts ideas. of stuff. We have a we'll, lot of stuff. We'll in, a, lot of, a lot of buns in the oven. So be sure to look out for that. Um, for now, the Thursday night podcast will likely go to a bi-weekly schedule release. Um, so be sure to subscribe on iTunes and SoundCloud and Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts that we are available. We really appreciate you guys listening, all the support that we've gotten so far. We have a lot of big plans for stuff we'd like to do moving forward, and we can't wait to share all that with you. Unless something goes wildly, terribly wrong, two weeks from now when we're doing the next podcast, we will definitely have news on the assistant coaches to talk about. Thank you guys again for listening. It's been a pleasure covering this team. We're looking forward to providing more great content as the offseason progresses. For the entire Thursday night team, my name is Taylor. Thank you guys for listening. We hope you have a great rest of your week. Peace. Go Panthers.